Well, as I said, it's good to be with you this evening. And uh, because I'm hungry, I'm probably not going to take too much time up here. But I just wanted to share. Oh, was I too transparent? I just wanted to share a few things. Uh, basically, I want to talk about two words. And uh, there's some of the first words uh, you learned. Uh, even if you're a Spanish speaker, there's some of the first words that you've learned. And that's the word no. Did you do that? No. Go to bed. No. Do what daddy says. No. And you know, that's the first sort of evidence we have that a child is kind of growing up is they resist what you have to say. No. And how much similar it is in our lives after we're born again when God asks us to do certain things, usually the first response from our lips is, no, <laughs> no. There's all kinds of reasons why we say no. There, there are more reasons than I could probably enumerate in the next 30 minutes for why we should say no. And really, there's only one reason why we should say yes when God asks us to do something. It's just one reason. Because he asks us to one reason. There's a million reasons why we say no. I'm scared. I don't have the ability. Look at Moses. I want you to go and say and so. And he said, send my brother. Send my brother. See, there's so many things we can say. We can look at our own strengths, our own abilities, and we can say to ourselves, my goodness, no. Mm -mm, no way. I could never do that. I'm not gifted with being able to speak eloquently. That was Moses' excuse. You know, it is said of Paul that, you know, he was no great speaker. But he sure said some wonderful things, didn't he? Some powerful things, transforming things. But those two words, you know, we have one example in Scripture of a prophet who was told to do something who said no. So let's just take a look at that prophet. His name is Jonah. And, uh, you know, this 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 prophet Jonah he was told you know my bible is getting more and more obedient as i as i use it i open it up and it falls within a few pages of where i want to go i just i just wish that everything <laughs> happened like that <laughs> jonah you know jonah's a prophet who initially you know he heard something from the lord he said uh, jonah i want you to go do something and jonah's response to god was no Let's just read the first couple of verses of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Jonah said no. You know, God had something for him to do. Now, we could examine again and again why it is that Jonah didn't want to. Maybe Jonah was having a bad day, you know. Maybe Jonah thought, well, I've got, uh, I've got other things I'd rather do. Um, you know, there's, uh, I was planning on this particular thing in my life. I was going to do this. I was going to complete that. I was going to finish this. I was going to paint the house. I was going to buy a cow. I was going to buy a field. Whatever it was. 
he had his reasons. But, you know, if we examine him, we might say, you know, going to Nineveh would be rather distasteful to someone, to a Jew. Nineveh, of course, was a great enemy. But, you know, the interesting thing about Jonah is he said no. You know, he, he went to flee. And I think in my own life, how many times the Lord has asked certain things of me and my response Although I didn't get up there and say, no, there ain't no way I'm going to do that and flee to Tarshish or flee somewhere else. But yet the heart is like that, isn't it? You know, the heart is like it. And it can come up with a million and one reasons why we shouldn't do what the Lord has asked us to do. Jonah, as he went and fled from the Lord, he got himself into a ship. We recall the story. He got himself into a ship and he set sail to go away from where the Lord had called him. And he had hoped for a better outcome. See, going to Nineveh was distasteful to him. And that is what the Lord asked him to do. Jonah thought, you know, if I oppose what it is that the Lord has says, if I stomp my foot and I look at him and I say, no, he's sending me east, I know what I'll do. I'll go west. Well, west is diametrically opposed to east, right? The direction is, couldn't be, couldn't be any more opposite from what God has said. We all know the consequence of what happened when Jonah said no to the Lord. If he thought going to Nineveh was going to be tough, what do you think he was thinking when he was in the belly of the whale? I think he thought Nineveh would be a vacation compared to what I'm going through here today. Think about it for a moment, if you will. Heading opposite of where God would ask you to go. Knowing that in God you had your inheritance. In God you had your salvation. In God you had your life. Your national identity. Your personal identity. Being a prophet of God. And Jonah knew him well. Jonah said, you know, he's not just the God of the sea. I mean, he's the God of the sea, the land, the mountain, the valley. I mean, he's the God of everything. Jonah thought within his heart that he's going to run away from God. The interesting thing about the belly of the whale with Jonah is that we look at the belly of the whale and we say, oh, what horrible consequence was the belly of the whale not going to Nineveh as he was supposed to. Oh, God, how mean he was to poor Jonah. But you know, the belly of the whale it's actually a blessing, wasn't it? You know, it was in that trial, in that place, in that horrible place that Jonah began to realize something. <laughs> Doing what God asks you, as difficult as it might seem to be, and as distasteful as it might seem to be, and all of the consequences of doing what God asks you to do. Separation from family, perhaps other things, difficulty, maybe losing your friends, maybe, maybe even the occupation that you have, thinking about having to find a different occupation because of this calling that God may have placed on your life. You know, the consequences of doing what God has asked you to do in your mind may appear to be difficult, but let me just tell you the consequences of not doing what He has asked you to do are far worse, far worse. Well, I'm sure that Jonah, as he sat in the belly of the whale, he was thinking to himself, my goodness, <laughs> you know, Nineveh probably wasn't that bad a deal. And I wonder, I wonder, I know, I'll ask God 
for forgiveness. And I'll tell him <laughs> what I did was foolish and wrong. You know, a lot of people talk about Jonah as though it wasn't really a true story. But you know, our Lord talks about Jonah, doesn't he? You know, the Jews were asking for a sign and they said, you know, no sign is going to be given to you, the Lord says to the Jews, except the sign of Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the whale, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days. So, you know, our Lord refers to it. It's a true story. As incredible as it might seem, Jonah, that disobedient, that rebellious prophet, he was actually sitting in the belly of a great fish. I said whale a couple of times. You're probably wondering, Tim, did you get your story straight? Well, probably not. I probably made a mistake when I said whale. I hope you'll forgive me. Great fish. Do you know, God came to Jonah a second time and he said to Jonah, go to Nineveh and cry against that city. Preach what I told you to preach. Jonah didn't hesitate this time. As distasteful as the circumstances might be, you know, he never said anything. He just beeline for Nineveh. I say all this and I reference Jonah because in in many respects, in many periods and times in my life, I have felt as though God has asked me to do certain things. He's put a call on me to do certain things. Maybe something as simple as witnessing to the person I was sitting next to in an airplane. And I've refused to do it. Fear of embarrassment. What if the guy tells me, oh, you're one of those crazy preaching Christian guys and I got to sit on you with sit with you in this airplane for all this six hours or whatever it is we might be traveling whatever it is the inclination is not to share and yet it's on your heart to do it how many of us sitting in here today would be sitting in here today if those who shared with us the gospel had kept it to themselves it's a solemn responsibility we have of being stewards of the gospel and I believe that one day we will be held account What did you do with what it is that I gave you to do? Many years ago, when I was 13 years old, I heard the gospel preached, and I shared with you my testimony many times. The threat of hell, the fear of hell, you know, made me profess faith. But, you know, there was not a sense of really wanting to be obedient to God wasn't a sense of repentance, of even recognizing myself as a sinner. I I did recognize myself as a sinner, but recognizing myself as a sinner in need of salvation, that's something altogether different. Being willing to come to the Lord, believing that what God has said about you is true, and that without Him you have no hope. It's a whole other story. It's a whole different thing altogether. I remember telling my brother after I had made that profession of faith, he was in Vietnam, and I wrote him a letter, and I wanted to impress my big brother with my letter. And I quoted a verse of Scripture in the letter to him, and I said, Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel of God. Oh, you know, I was very religious. Much like like Jonah, though, you know. First asked to do something, to say no. I wish in some respects at that first prodding of the Lord to come to Him 
bent knee and bowed head and recognized myself as a sinner in need, in need of salvation. Oh, how I wish that at 13 years of age, that is what I had done. But I refused. And my life bears the scars and the sorrows and things I regret all those years living rebelliously. I want to share with you something that's wonderful. God never gives up on you. I say this until the last breath. There is still hope for you. I don't know where you are. You maybe have been, you may be just like I was, going through the motions and saying, yes, I believe in Jesus and all of those things about him. But I've never really come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. A place where your heart is broken. A place where you realize from the top of your head to the sole of your foot, you are a sinner through and through. And that without Christ Jesus, you have no hope. I don't know if you've ever come to that place. I don't know if that's still just an intellectual exercise for you. I, I, I don't know. It's very difficult to look inside a person's heart. But this one thing I can tell you. If you're still breathing, God is not through with you. There are many times in my life where I literally asked God to kill me. Because life was so bitter and so hard. So many sorrows. So many regrets. Lord, kill me. Just be done with it. But God is loving. See, before knowing God, I never really knew what love was. But knowing God is knowing love. Patiently, patiently, patiently knocking at the door of my heart. 24 years. Tim, let me in. Let me in. Let me in. No. No. How many of you here have ever slammed your finger with a hammer? What's your first response? Oh! Oh! Moms and dads, when your son or your daughter has smacked their finger or cut their finger, the first thing they do is they hold it, they bring it close to their body, and you say, let me see it. And they say, no! But it's the only way you're going to be able to treat it. Just let me see it. I'll put some medicine on it. I'll wash it. I'll put a bandage. I'll kiss it. I'll make it better. No! And you literally have to pry their hands off of it till you see that black and blue bruised thumb. And you can bring it to your lips and kiss it. And hug it. And dry their little tears from their eyes. That's what God is doing with you. Let me see the wound. Let me see the pain. Take your hand away from it. I can deal with it. Well, I can tell you, at 37 years of age, totally broken, I bent the knee and I bowed the head. I came to God without 
anything in my hand because I knew I had nothing. Here it is, Lord. Here's the pain. Here's the grief. Here's all the sorrow. Here it is. Save me. Save me. Oh, how loving and kind is God. Jonah knew the loving kindness of God as well. Because he wasn't through with Jonah, even when he was in the belly of the whale, suffering anguish and pain, suffering grief and sorrow for his rebellion, for his rejection of God. He wasn't through with Jonah yet. And he's not through with you. I don't know where you are. I hope you still sense the knocking. I hope you still sense it. But Jonah admitted and confessed. And God said to him, Go, Jonah, again. I think in my life of all the times I said no. There was a time in my life when I was absolutely broken with nothing to bring to him but all of my brokenness. When I knelt before my bed, tears, broken-hearted, empty, bankrupt. I said yes. I said yes. And you know, through those years, the Lord has been teaching me more and more to say yes. Yes. When God knocks at the door of your heart, say yes. When he asks you to do something, say yes. Many of you might have thought, I don't know, that this exercise to go to Korea was something new or uh, something that uh, uh, took place quickly. I think that God has been preparing me for this since I was 13 years old. When I was 17, I was stationed in Korea. Within a year before I ever learned that that language was too difficult to learn, I was speaking that language. I became very interested in the culture. I learned a lot about Korea. And I learned a lot about Korean people. And I have enjoyed a good relationship with Koreans throughout my years. I was used in the military as both an interpreter and an interrogator. Now, I have the unspeakable joy of being able to return to Korea to be used as one who would bring the gospel. I am thrilled and excited and so glad and so happy that God did not answer those prayers of mine so many years ago to kill me, squash me like a bug, wipe me off the face of the earth, get rid of me. I am worthless and no good for nothing. God, how he loves. I think many of you sitting here, young and old alike, God has been preparing for particular things all of your life. I don't think that there is a wasted moment. I think... 
that God is able to take all of what you might chalk up to wasted time and use it. And use it. Not only for your own good, but for the good of others you come in contact with. Use it. I'm reminded... 1999, I came to this meeting for the first time. I came with the flies from the pig pen still swarming around my head. But I came and I walked through the door and I saw Mr. Gus and Brother Malcolm at the door. Behind Mr. Gus and Brother Malcolm was a sign. It was, I think they call it a cross stitch that said that in that he should have the pre in that in all things he might have the preeminence referring to our Lord Jesus Christ Colossians 1.18 where does my mind go brother my goodness and I remember saying to myself we'll see if that's really true because at the time of my conversion I had been exposed to a lot of different thinkings and theologies and doctrines and so on and so forth. But I knew at the time of my conversion that I didn't need any of that. That I needed the Lord beyond anything. I needed to be taught by Him and I needed to be loved and encouraged by His people. I had a long way to go when I first got here. And I want to mention Howard Bosworth's name to you. I think it's important that you know this. Howard Bosworth, who probably doesn't even know the impact he had on my life through the proverbial arms of love around me, invited me to his house for dinner, talked to me, heard my testimony, wasn't shocked, wasn't appalled. I remember thinking to myself, what a wonderful man. What a wonderful man. I know he's a sinner saved by grace, but that's what I actually needed to hear was somebody who was a sinner who was saved by grace. And he didn't hold me in disdain, but he expressed his love for me. He talked to me. He would stand up in our meetings and he would share from the Word of God. And I thought to myself, what a wonder. You know, Brother Don Gustafson, he took me out to lunch and he sat down and he talked to me about what had happened in my past. He too never, ever looked down his nose at me. He loved me. And Mrs. Gus, every time I see her, I throw my arms around her. I love her. I was loved by this assembly when I first came here. And I was rather unlovable. But I was loved. And I was received. And I was taught. And I was encouraged. And by prayer I was strengthened. And by teaching I was built up. I have much to be thankful for for this meeting. Much of what is happening in my life right now is a testimony of the goodness of God's people. I want to encourage you and leave you with this thought that when somebody comes to the door of this meeting, 
maybe with the flies still buzzing around their head from the pig pen, that you too would be willing to throw your arms around them and love them and pray for them and teach them and encourage them and strengthen them. You know, one of the greatest testimonies we can have is that we love one another. Love is powerful. <clears throat> no greater love hath any man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much more should we express love for one another? Babes in Christ, coming to all kinds of crazy ideas and thoughts in our heads, but yet received, taught, and built up in the faith. What a wonder it is. What a power it is. And you know, the response to all of that is this. As you have loved me, I've learned to love you. And now, Paul says in Scripture, he says when he was leaving, and I will see your face no more. I don't think it's that dire. But I know I feel in my heart the sense of sorrow that I won't see your face as frequently. Of course, none of us know what tomorrow holds. But this one thing I'll say, whether I'm over there or over here, I am deeply, deeply grateful for all that you all have done for me, for your love, for your friendship, for Cold Stone ice cream. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Regardless of where I am, you will always be in my heart, in my thoughts. I want to thank you very much. God, our Father, we come to you in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus. We're so grateful, O God, our Father, for thy goodness to us. So thankful, O God, our Father, for, simply speaking, for saving us, for bringing us into your church, for extending thy love to us through thy saints, that we might love one another and be a testimony to the world. We thank thee, O God, our Father. We thank thee for thy goodness. We thank thee for thy mercy and thy patience. We thank Thee for doing in us what was impossible for anyone else to do. Thank Thee, O God, our Father, that You never gave up and that You continue with each and every one of us, teaching us, training us, building us up. O God, teach us to trust You more and more. Teach us to rely upon You more and more. Teach us, O oh God, our Father, to speak of you more and more to all those we come in contact with. We ask for help, O oh God, our Father, and recognize our need for help. We would, O oh God, our Father, just express our appreciation for being here this evening. And we would, O oh God, our Father, give you thanks for the food for the fellowship, for the kindred minds, enjoying the company of one another, 
We just pray, O oh God, our Father, a blessing upon our time. We ask all these things, O oh God, our Father, in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. overseas, Brother John Whitaker approached me and he said, uh, Brother Dave, would you help me sing a song for Brother Tim on his last night here? And uh, as you come down, Brother, I'll just, uh, we, we decided to sing a song that I know we've heard Tim sing. It's one of my favorites. And when John rec uh, re recommended it, I thought it was a great idea. Um, I said, well, what, wants you, what, what makes you want to sing this song? Come, come on down, John. Um, <clears throat> he did say a duet, not a solo. All right. <clears throat> um, he said, well, Tim loves music, and I want to give him something he loves. And so uh, uh, you had something you wanted to say first, though. <laughs> it's, it's a pleasure to be here tonight to see um, for witness the departure of Brother Tim. And, um, I just want to let you know, Brother Tim, you mentioned that 1999, um, I could remember when you came here in 99, I was here before. And um, when I hear you started to sing and things like that, I, um, it's like music. And um, I could remember Brother Jody's on one side and you's on one side. And um, it's like I was over there. Um, but when you can't sing, uh, you are just trying to find yourself in between two people who can sing. <laughs> but what I did, I, I didn't find myself between you and Brother Jody. I was like moving around, moving around. And all of a sudden, when you left here and you went away and you came back, I was right there. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you was right there too. <laughs> so now I find myself between two people, two male, a male vocalist and a female vocalist. Sister Frida is on one side and, and you's on one side. So when you hear me, sometime I'll be like, it's not me singing. It's, it's you too. It's you too who are singing, but you know, I'm just right there lipped up like a lip, you know, until like that and I'm enjoying myself. But there's something I honest, I, 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 I tried to imitate you a little bit. And it's, you know, when you started to Exalt you. You do a, a thing like, like this. You, you, you know, like you go back. <laughs> Sometimes I look and say, I wonder if he's going to fall, you know, something like that. <laughs> but sweeter than that, you know, it's like when you come up here and you started to conduct for Wednesday night or any time you're going to, you always do a thing like, like this. Oh, but weird. <laughs> this must be a country man. <laughs> you know, the way you do this thing. I tried it like, you know, and you like this. And I said, wow. It's, you know, everything that this man do, it please me. <laughs> everything he do, that please me. So tonight, 
um, as when you announced that you were going, I said, wow, I'm, I got to do something for you. But what I learned over there from you and Sister Frida and Brother Jody, I hope we can give back little to you tonight of something that you love so much, a song you love so So, Brother Dave said yes. So, um, I would just ask you, Brother Tim and Sister Yoli, to take a close seat right here. What is this scary? <laughs> Come on, Sister Yoli. Have a seat up here. Uh, this, this is your, your night. Yes. Come on down. And um, one more thing. Brother Malcolm and Brother Heron and Brother Basworth was a prayer of prayer from Mercy Journey. That's coming next. That's coming next. So, so Brother Malcolm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, okay. No, we're going to sing. Okay. So we're going to sing verse? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. That's right. We, we didn't give him the agenda. Okay. So. All right. <coughs> I can't turn my book the right way. <laughs> Otherwise, it will sound Korean. All right. All right. All right. All right. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, Oh. 
chapter 13 when the assembly sensed the call of God through the Holy Spirit to send out Barnabas and Saul to the work to which God had called them the assembly laid hands on them and they sent them out and having been sent by the Holy Spirit they went and to help us enter into that same sentiment this evening as we want to commend Brother Tim and our sister Yoli to the Lord, to the work that the Lord has called them to. And not just are we sending them out here, but I love the, the way in which this has come to pass, much like as Paul went on his second missionary journey, and as he met Timothy, and he said, I want this man to come with me into this work. It was the Koreans who met Tim and Yoli and said, we want you to join us in this work. And so we are sending there receiving, but uh, we can only do our part, right? The sending. And, and, and we want to, to enter into that together. And as we pray for them, we just like, first of all, to call up Malcolm and Aaron, but all of us together, if we could just stand and make a huge circle here and join as one, hand in hand, with Brother Tim and Sister Yoli, and let's commend them to the grace of the Lord as they go to this work which the Lord has called them. I know it's not normal, right? But hey, it's good for us to get out of our comfort zone a little bit. Let's make a huge circle. Or oval. Whatever shape it turns out to be. There's no one in the back row. We're all together. Amen. And together we will lift up our brother and sister in the Lord as we send them out to do what the Lord has called them to do. Amen. We didn't discuss this, but would it be appropriate to honor our brother to offer up a sentence prayer that we should do our own? Should we do that? Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I'll go ahead and lead. 
us off as we start in prayer, but I'm going to stop before saying amen. And any of the brothers here who'd like to uh, respond to what the, the Holy Spirit may be leading you to, to pray for them as, as, they, uh, as they step out in faith to go to the other side of the world, um, we'll have a time for any of the brothers to be able to do that as we're all one here in sending them out. And then you'll sure. close, right? Sure. Oh God, our Father, we want to just thank you for the reminder that we've had this evening of this great love that you have for lost souls. Lord, we all could find ourselves in that place like Jonah sinking down to the depths in despair with no hope and without God in this world. But to find that miracle of miracles, you have provided a means of salvation. But not just to save us from death, but then to recommission us into a service for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And to know that the unique gifts and talents and personality and backgrounds that you have cultivated in us, that we so often spoil, but yet you redeem. And returning the years that the locusts have eaten and being pleased to bring glory to yourself by, by putting together an army of castaways. But who, through our weakness, are able to show forth your glory as you do a work in us and through us to lead other souls to reconciliation with Christ. It's our desire this evening, our Father, to lift up our brother Tim and our sister Yoli as they take this step of faith from this side of the world to the other to, to go with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you would indeed go before them, prepare the way. You provide for their needs, and you would empower them, fill them with your Holy Spirit to overflowing, to do the work that you commissioned them to do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Father, we are thankful again for this privilege to commend our dear brother and sister to you. We thank you for the calling and the exercise that they have received. What an example to us as, as individual believers, and we pray that each of us will follow that same example, O oh God, to hear your voice, to hear your calling, and to go to our neighbor, to go to our co-worker, to go to wherever it may be to share the glorious gospel of Christ. We thank you for the privilege in this world to be a testimony, to be a witness to the glorious gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And we pray, O oh God, that you will empower our brother Tim and Sister Yoli as they take this step so many miles away to go to Korea. We thank you and just pray that each of us may follow as well in our own individual personal lives. And so we unite, Father, not just seeing Tim and Yoli go out, but we standing behind them in prayer, communing with you as our Father and on their behalf. And so, Father, mark out their path. They don't know what lies ahead. They know where, but not what. And so, Father, mark out their path. We just pray.
Lord, we also pray for their safety mm -hmm. as Tim uh, travels over there and Yoli um, shortly after. And as Tim goes over there to look for a home, Lord, that uh, that he finds something suitable for him and his wife. And for something to to open up his home to other people that, that you may um, bless his home over there when he gets there, Lord. And that, um, that it may be a light to to the city that he's in and Amen. and to where uh, wherever he's he's going to be stationed at um, as a servant for you Lord as he once was a servant of the army he's a servant to your army Amen. and we also pray that he doesn't worry about his resources because he knows what his source is and that's you Lord and that uh, he may not worry or he may not stress that everything may fall into place Amen. as it already has Lord and that you know that you're blessing his walk and his uh, and his way in Korea, and that as he as he's there, uh, maybe he may never come back here again, but that we will see him one day again. Amen. Amen. this hymn was just saying a few minutes ago though Satan should buffet and we know that he will though trials may come Jesus said they would come 
Amen. We would just pray for the Staffords as they go out in faith. Lord, you yourself said that you would allow our faith to be tested, that it might be purified, that it might show forth as gold. Mm -hmm. Because you see it is more precious than gold. So, Father, we just pray that you would strengthen them, mm -hmm. that you would just unite their hearts individually with yourself mm -hmm. in a very intimate way, that whatever trials may come, whatever buffeting the enemy will try to thwart them with, that their faith, the shield of faith, as Paul would describe it, would extinguish every fiery missile of the enemy. Mm -hmm that they would be able to stand firm, having done all to stand. Mm -hmm. Father, we pray that you would strengthen them in their relationship one with another as husband and wife. Mm -hmm. We know sometimes, Lord, that as the enemy tries to get at us and is unsuccessful, he will turn to our spouse to try to cause division. Mm -hmm. But Lord, as they go out as one, we ask that you would preserve them as one. Our Lord Jesus Christ said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Mm -hmm. And so we pray that you would unite them, the two, as one. And as they go into this uh, new land, and yet, Father, so familiar, and yet it will be different. It's been years since they've been there, to live there. And it will be different circumstances. So, Father, we just pray that you would give them the ability to, 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 to learn these new things, to be, to be able to sense the nuances of the culture and language that perhaps have been forgotten or not learned but need to be learned, Lord, that you would just, in your grace, enable all the little foibles to be yet stepping stones to a further connection with the people rather than in division. We remember the, 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 the Tower of Babel, that it was you who introduced differences of language to create division, to keep the, the purposes of the people as they united from being able to be achieved. And yet you would say, with this united language, there is nothing that they will not be able to do. And so, Father, we pray that as they go to join this group of believers there in Korea, that as you would bridge the language gap, that there would be nothing that they would not be able to accomplish for your honor and glory in bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who live there. Whether they be Korean or whether they be foreigners in that land seeking to learn the language of English or Korean or whatever it is, but that they would learn of Jesus Christ and his saving power through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we know that the time is short that we have to labor for Christ in this world. But we rejoice that you have seen fit to use Tim and Yoli now to go to this place that you've been preparing them for for now years. And now we're saying it's time. And so, Father, we release them into your care. We ask that you would enable us to stay in close touch with them through prayers and through emails and texts or whatever it might be, that we might stay one with them as an assembly, mm -hmm. as, a, a, as an extension of our family that we can stand with them, knowing that, that we are co-laborers in this work and that as they go out to actually do what we cannot do from here, but we can do from here, what, what can assist them over there. So, Father, help us, strengthen us to stand with them, to, to, to reaffirm our love for them, even though they are not present physically as we stay in touch in the Spirit. And so, Father, we, we just commend them to your grace. Help our love to go with them and to, to, to be a support to them. 
we ask it in Jesus' name. And Father, as we go now to fellowship together around the food that you have provided, we ask that you would bless it to our bodies. Bless our time of fellowship. May all that we think and say and do be pleasing to you here. Use the energy we get from it to, to help each of us together mm -hmm. to honor and glorify you. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Whatever you got packed, I'm sure. Yeah, I can't.